So uh, we are then at the final week of our series on David, and as we've been looking uh, in the last, uh, we're thinking in the, in the last few minutes really, um, we've looked at what we can learn about God through the life of David, we've looked at what we can learn about, Je what we can learn about Jesus through the life of David, and we've looked at what we can learn about ourselves through the life of David. So this week we want to look at what we can learn about how to live a life of faith uh, in the way that David shows us. So essentially living a life of faith. Because if David is indeed a shadow of Jesus pointing the way to him, then we can look at how he used his faith in his life to help us in ours. As you've seen, David's life was, was full of ups and downs. There were some great moments of triumph and some truly awful moments of near disaster. His life, therefore, was a mixture of good and evil. But through it all, one thing shines through his never ending faith in the Lord. And ultimately, this is what God commends him for. Because in truth, he wasn't really very much better than the first King Saul except that in his heart he loved the Lord and he believed in him. And essentially this is what the Bible calls faith. David was a shepherd. He was a shepherd who killed lions, he killed bears and of course at the beginning of his ministry he killed a giant. But he was also a musician, he was a poet, he was a great military general, but he was also something of a womanizer. He had multiple wives. He was a pretty bad father and he was a murderer. So as a young boy, um, he was told, as we were looking just now, he was going to be king. He played music to calm the king's nightmares. He fought battles for the king and always through his life, he showed an ext extraordinary faith in the Lord. So, for example, in his early years, when, when Saul was still king, he became very popular among the people. And, uh, and so people used to sing, um, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. Yet he refused to kill the king even though at one point the king was very busy trying to kill him. And instead of that, uh, of, kill, of killing Saul, David always trusted in God. And it says in the story, uh, as you look at it in Samuel, that, that the this, this, this song that people sang made Saul very angry. What's this, Saul would say? That they credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next they'll be making him their king. And it says, so from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. In fact, it says the very next day, uh, after he made this statement, um, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul and he became, he began to rave uh, like a madman. Uh, David was, was busy playing a harp as he did each day. Uh, but Saul had a spear in his hand and he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. But of course, David escaped and escaped, in fact, twice. Nevertheless, Saul um, kept trying to kill David. 
On one occasion, when Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone out into the wilderness. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all of Israel, and he went to search for David and his men in order to destroy them. And it says that Saul went into a cave uh, to relieve himself. But as it happens, David and his men were, were hiding further back in, in that very cave. So David's men, they whispered to him, now's your opportunity. Today, the Lord is telling you, I will certainly give your enemy into your fat power to do with as you wish. So it says David crept forward and he cut off a piece of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began to bother him because he'd cut Saul's robe. He said to his men, oh, no, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king, the very person who was trying to murder him. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and he didn't let them kill Saul. And rather than take the life of Saul, his enemy, who was trying to kill him, David realised that Saul had been appointed by the Lord so that he should leave it up to the Lord to deal with Saul and not David. Because David was, Saul was appointed by the Lord, David recognised that, that the Lord should deal with Saul and not David. Now that is faith. That really is, when you think about it, that's faith in God, isn't it? What we don't often speak about, though, when we talk about faith, and we can talk about these big moments like that, what we don't often talk about is the emotional cost of faith. We can think of it in terms of actions. I will do this, I won't do that, I will trust in the Lord. But doing that can be very hard on your emotions because it can cause you so much inner turmoil that you start to have serious problems and you don't know the way out of it. Now, I've, I've known those, those deep feelings for myself and they really are very troubling. And we can easily think that if we had faith... We wouldn't have such troubles. But rather than me tell you about my difficulties, I thought it'd be interesting to, uh, to show you how Dan Meakin, who is behind the scenes today, has dealt with this in his battle with uh, his emotions and faith. So this is a video from, uh, from Dan. Hi, Jubilee. Um, uh, I wanted to uh, just record this video to talk about about uh, a life of faith. We've been talking about David, um, and and one of the things that um, is has jumped out at me through this whole time, and it's something I've been dealing with quite a while, is how uh, my faith and my emotions square with each other. Um, you know, the, the Bible is throughout the Bible talks about. Um, about uh, both emotions but also like you know things like the fruits of the spirit are love joy peace um often kind of emotional language to talk about the result of a relationship with god and also talks about taking our thoughts captive and uh you know holding things up against the knowledge of god and uh, 
this is where I am is that is that ever since I was a teenager I've effectively taken my emotions and and sort of bashed them with the Bible <laughs> you know uh, I, I've not I've not allowed myself any space to process my emotions I just thought that having negative emotions was an opportunity to okay rigidly apply um, apply the Bible almost like uh, like a law of okay you 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 will not feel these things you know and I, I got quite good at, at effectively suppressing my emotions using scripture as a method to do that and and uh, um, as any counsellor would tell you uh, that's not particularly healthy and for me what that's done is is not processing my emotions not um, just constantly suppressing them has led to the point where I am depressed where I feel empty where I feel uh, like there's um, the inability to feel joy um, just just avoid I'm, I'm, I'm sure that will be familiar uh, to many now I know people come to depression in lots of different lots of different ways but for me that's where it's come um, that's where it's come from is this uh, not being able to process difficult emotions and and so then reading the Psalms um, it, it 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 struck me that David uh, particularly if you look at Psalm 13 for example David processed his emotions he allowed himself to feel and acknowledge the gravity and the pain and the suffering and you know where he describes as his enemies and and he allowed himself to feel that and then and then he took that to God and held that up against his knowledge of God and his faith in God and his trust and his love for God and it doesn't automatically mean that things were fixed and it certainly doesn't mean it was a quick process either I mean I doubt the Psalms were written in in 20 minutes you know it's not the, the length of time it takes for a, to sing a worship song you know these things I'm sure would have been t would, would have taken even years to process um, but then they were also processed I mean, David did it publicly he wrote it down he shared it it became a thing that that the nation knew um, and so I realized that it, that it's well a it's not a sin to feel terrible that in of itself is not a bad thing it, it's where I go with that which is important it's okay I feel terrible but I know God to be true but I know God loves me I know Jesus died for my sins and stands between me and eternity away from God and and so regardless of how I feel I know God to be true now that doesn't mean I'm trying to change my feelings because I then have to trust God with my feelings and trust God that he is going to going to rescue me like David says lift me up from the from the pit um, because if you put your faith in God and God is true and he is real then he does but it's not something I have to manufacture but I have to have 
a, a willingness to be humble and submit to that and go, God, it, I feel terrible, but I trust in you. But I know that you are true, and these are your promises. And uh, and I've, you know, I, I can stand on that personally. I've seen God lift me up when things have been difficult. So I can stand on the Bible and on my personal experience. But it's important, I think, to allow myself to feel terrible, but then also come to God in that place. So it's almost like the outcome is less important than the process. And and it seems that the process of taking my uh, taking my depression to God is the important bit, and then I have to trust Him with the outcome. Um, and I think that's that submission and that's faith. So, as we've seen, struggling with with our feelings and our emotions can seem to be almost almost self contradictory. You can have one, or you can have the other. If you have faith, you won't have uh, hard depressing times, and if you're going through hard depressing times, then you can't have enough faith. But as Dan's just been speaking to us, that's not the case. That's not the reality. And of course, biblically, that doesn't seem to add up either. A life of faith can also and often seems to involve us in troubles. And David understood this. And because uh, this very thing that, in fact, Dan has been learning, I suppose, but we've all been learning, haven't we? And because he was a poet and a musician, he, David, could write about it and describe it in a way that probably most of us couldn't. So just for a minute, let, let's have a look at Psalm 27. If you've got a Bible with you, maybe you want to just, just open it up to, to Psalm 27 and, and, and imagine that David is in the back of that cave and there are 3,000 of Saul's elite troops. There are like 3,000 SAS people outside and they're searching you out to kill you. Well, what, what would you feel? Well, David kind of wrote some of the sorts of things that he went through in those sorts of situations. Psalm 27 is an excellent example of that. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, maybe 3,000 elite troops, my heart shall not fear. <coughs> Excuse me. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to meditate, in his temple for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble he will conceal me under the cover of his tent he will lift me high upon a rock and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy I will sing and make melody to the Lord Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You've said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me then. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. 
Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my father and my mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me upon, along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. <coughs> Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, Wait patiently for the Lord. And so, as we've gone through these times of a worldwide pandemic, and as we continue to walk into what seems to be an uncertain future with all of the challenges that lay ahead of us, to do so in a life of faith means to say our one true goal is to be able to say with David, one thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to meditate in his temple. So we can learn then that a life of faith is a life of trust in God and his son, Jesus. Therefore, in times of goodness, we can learn to, as it says in here in the psalm, we can learn to worship the Lord with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. And in times of turmoil and difficulty, we can learn to wait patiently for the Lord, to be brave and courageous. That ultimately, as David taught us, is how we should live a life of faith. And if we take nothing else from this series, from all the good things that we've learned in the past uh, weeks. Let us be a people who have learned how to take hold of a life of faith.